Well, after a wild ride in markets, we're seeing consolidation, the name of the game. We're certainly seeing that in crypto. We're seeing that in tech and the NASDAQ and US equities more broadly. We're seeing the US dollar under a little bit of pressure as bond yields find buyers coming through. The question we've got to ask ourselves, is this the calm before the storm and the next leg lower in risk? Or are we actually making a bottoming process? I asked Blake and Oscar Salem as we go through this week's The Trade-Off. Well, hi, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris Weston. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we've got a special guest today as well. And as always, we're going to be navigating the various landmines that we're finding in these markets, the thematic, the setups, and everything that's top of mind when it comes to making moves in these financial markets. And of course, how you manage risks around that as well. So I'm going to bring Blake into the program. Blake, me a good mucker. You are looking very sharp. Are you ready for the battlefield? I tell you, you can never take the Marine out of the man, can you? <laughs> How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, um, it, you know, it's, it's, getting, it's getting warm here, man. I had to, I had to take yeah, it down a little bit. You had bit. to trim yourself down. Mate, it was a really exciting yes. show today. We've got Oscar Salem. We know Oscar very well. You know him. Um, I guess you talk about him. But yeah, big personality on, on, on Twitter, social media. Uh, always has some really interesting views to share. Great charts, great perspective. Uh, so I think it'd be great to bring him in, into the program today. Get how how he's you know he's got skin in the game and how he's trading these markets as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've worked with Oscar a couple of different times, and uh, he is fun to you know to talk with him and I think a lot alike as far as uh, currencies go. So um, it's going to be great to uh, hear his views and and how he's seeing the markets right now, especially in this very tumultuous time and markets that we are experiencing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Anyway, before we go to Oscar, let's let's go into some of the, th the factors which are making markets. I want to get your, your views about what's going on as well. Let's go into Topical Thunder. Like I always talk, we start with the, with, with sentiment. It seems to be the sort of perennial go-to point because I think we have to really, don't we? we have to to assess what's going on. These these the, the three R's I call them at the moment: rates, risk, and recession. And you know this word recession specifically in the U.S., but we can go into Europe, U.K., other places as well. But everyone's really concerned about what's happening in China and in the U.S. I'd say at the moment the equity markets are pricing about a 70, 75 percent chance of a recession impending. The credit markets are as well. We've seen credit spreads widening quite substantially. They're clearly showing that uh, you know there's there's recession risk. We're probably not seeing that so much in things like the VIX at the moment. I think if we were generally seeing recession, the VIX would be trading about 40 percent. And there's kind of distortions between other asset classes at the moment. But, you know, after some very lively moves, we're seeing a bit of sideways can chop in, in, in tech, you know, rate, uh, yeah, we're seeing some buying in, in bonds. Um, the dollar's come under a little bit of pressure recently. How are you reading sentiment in the market, my good friend? Well, I would say, well, actually, I don't always say, but you, you've heard the saying, it's always darkest before it's dawn. So, you know, sentiment has been really, really, really dark. I mean, everywhere, everywhere you look, Everybody's prating around, talking about recession, as you pointed out. Yeah. Everybody's talking about how bearish the markets are, big breakdowns, technically, yada, yada, yada. And look, Chris, I, I don't disagree, but we are in the exact opposite market that we were in for the previous 13 years, mm. where you had a market that insatiably was just long risk. The markets kept going higher. And every time you thought there was a top, the market would start to come down, it'd break down, and then it'd, get, it'd trap every short in the market, and then we get a reversal. Yeah. Right now, the way I'm seeing it is everybody's bearish. We're probably going to get some sort of 
recovery rally after this consolidation. I, I think it's going to be short lived, but it's going to be it's going to be convincing let me, enough let me ask you a question, to, to where it gets people long. That's what I let think. Let me get you. So I reckon there's a bit of short term upside. Credit spreads have started coming in. I think yeah, markets yeah, positioned bearishly and, and maybe get some upside. But I think we'd probably sell into that. If we do get a rally, you know, every time we get a rally, last five years, everyone talks about, oh, this is the most hated rally. If we get a 5% rally in this market, is this going to be the most hated rally of all time? I don't know if it'll be the most hated rally. I think it's going to be the most loved rally. I think right. what we're going to see is the most hated sell-off of all time oh, for yeah. the next Painful, yeah. one to two years. That's, That's what right. I think. No, I agree. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say something differently. My point, it was a loaded question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I think we're going to all-time highs and everybody's no, going to hate it. Going How about that? I <laughs> think we might have got a bit, a bit more juice in the upside, but uh, yeah, I, I don't trust this rally. Bear market rallies. You trade them, you don't trust them. I think that's the uh, the. That's right. Rally. I'll I'll trade them and I'll, I'll trade the little squeeze and then uh, you know I look for uh, I look for fresh entries to short risk. But um, you know I want to turn our attention over to yields because this is one of those questions, Chris. That you know I I I'm, I could have sworn we talked a little bit about this with bonds. Yep. But you're starting to see yields come off, and and you're seeing some of the shorter end yields are starting to really come off a little bit, especially on the like one three fives even tens, you're starting to see them come down a little bit. And, and we pointed out the inverted head and shoulder pattern in the bond market mm -hmm. last week and that yields would, you know, kind of pop or pull back. And they are, we're seeing a move higher in the 10 year, but um, in the 10 year bonds, 10 year yields down. But why? I, I, I want to ask you, Chris, why is this happening and how are markets going to respond to it? Because you can look at it in a couple of different ways. Yeah. You know, yields are coming down. The markets are like, yeah, you know, you know, you know, conditions are loosening. You know, stocks might rally. But are bonds rallying? as a safe haven because we're hanging out below 4,000. So I'm going to, I wanted to ask you, yeah. how are you interpreting this move in the bond market? Well, I think you're saying if you go to the, if you go into the swaps market, Blake, um, I don't yeah. want to get sort of too technical, but if you have a look at two year, one year rates at the moment, um, just to give you a pricing of what's going on as, as in the next few years, we've seen rate, the, the terminal fed funds rate, the, the price where it's expected to get to a maximum going from around 320 down to about 270. So rate hikes have come out of the market. Yeah, Raphael Bostic from the Federal Reserve coming out and saying that we could get a bit of a pause once we get into neutral rate. And I think the data has come in soft. You know, we've seen the Atlanta Fed um, downcast model for Q2 coming from around 2.1 last night down to about 1.8%. Obviously, durable goods have been so. So the data's been softer. The Fed is saying that perhaps they could have a bit of a refresh. Um, we're going to get a 50 basis point hike in June. We're going to get another one in July. We're going to go into Jackson Hole Symposium in August. And markets are going to just have a, a bit of a refresh. And then it's kind of going to be very much data driven. So I think you've seen a softer data. People have been buying. And it's worked as defense in the portfolio. So it's good for the equity market and risk that we've seen yields lower because it's taken some of that chokehold off. The negative, though, is it's been driven by concerns around data and recession. So, yes. So I was going to, I was going to ask you, you know, because of my, you know, of all my years, one of the first things that I learned back in the nineties, when I started trading is the bond market, those guys know what they're doing and they yeah. tend to sniff out things before other people. So, yeah. you know, we we're seeing the bond markets firm up is that, are they seeing something that we don't? Well, yeah, I mean, how much of that's being priced in as, as rates, uh, as recession? I'd keep your eyes on the credit markets, mate. Go and have a look at the HYG ETF. If you don't have access to credit markets, 
Go and have a look at the HYGTF ETF, which is a way of looking at if, if, if that's going down in price, you're seeing credit spreads blow out. If you see it going up, people are buying into credit. So I think that's a really big one of a, of a proxy of, of, of what we're seeing in, in the in general landscape there as well. We want to touch on what's going on in the ECB because that's a really big talking point that we've seen this week. Central banks always a big talking point. But yeah, one that's really sort of come in is this idea about the, the ECB raising rates. And it's pretty obvious now that they're going to end their asset purchase program in June. That means they're going to raise rates in July. Christine Lagarde, the ECB president, has come out in a blog post this week talking about a gradual pace. And she said, yeah, we're going to raise rates in July. It's going to happen. But there are people on the board, um, Holzman, for example, on the ECB board, who are saying we could go 50 basis points. And if I look at the what's priced into European rate markets, we've got about 33 basis points being priced in for that July. So the market's saying, could get 25, small chance we get a 50 basis point hike. But we're looking into the end of the year and the market's pricing in nearly four rate hikes in Europe, which seems ridiculous to me. But then you could probably say the same thing in a lot of different rates markets. How are you reading sure. the rate structure there and what does it mean for the euro? I mean, obviously, I think Oscar's going to talk a little bit about that. But how are you reading it? Well, I think he is going to talk probably about the euro here. And I, and I know he's him and I, we, we talk a lot about the euro dollar as a, as a whole. And I, I think the euro is really showing... It's true colors, and and uh, you're seeing the dollar weakness come in. We talked about the dollar weakness seeping in the market, and the euro has been the big beneficiary. I tell you what, I've been playing the euro to the long side, and even what I'm trading right now is basically dollar short. So I think that mm. that as you see the ECB, even expectations rise that rates are going higher. Those expectations, and then you're seeing them kind of come out of the the Fed. I think it's gonna it's gonna play into the uh, hand of the euro dollar on the long side, and I think we're yeah. gonna have a, a little bit deeper conversation I, about I, that. I, I, I find it interesting because you're never gonna get carry with the euro, are you? You're never gonna get that yield differential, but it does it has become somewhat more of a just a genuine funding currency into one which is more of a cyclical play. The fact that they're all gonna move away from from negative deposit rates in in Q3 potentially by the end of the year, according to the market, we could see the deposit rates positive 50 basis points. Does that change the dynamic of the euro? Does it become one more of a cyclical currency where we could start seeing you know, rate differentials becoming that way? Does it, does it, or is it just an out of funding currency? I think it still stays as a funding currency right now, at mm -hmm. least in the current landscape, just because of, uh, of, of everything that surrounds the eurozone. It's not yeah. just, it's not just what they're dealing with growth and inflation, the energy issues that they're dealing with, the Russia-Ukraine situation. I think it all kind of factors in. So the euro, you know, and that's that's one thing that I don't hesitate when we see a little bit of risk off. I don't mind being long euro at no, least exactly a little right. bit. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. I, I think there's a bit of risk to the upside. The question is which one, even though the rates market's ridiculously priced, I don't think we're going to get 100 basis points of hikes in Europe this year still. I mean, there's, there's qualities to like in the euro, in, in the euro at the moment. Well, I, I agree. And uh, let's uh, let's turn our attention really quick so we can get Oscar on here soon. Uh, let's turn, learn to turn our attention to the VIX. You know, um, and I, I guess I have to ask this question, is volatility just too high? Not volatility as far as intraday volatility in the markets, but the VIX. And you know what's interesting is the VIX never broke out. We, you know, we've seen an elevated VIX over the course of the last, uh, I guess, 12, 18 months, actually, since really COVID, uh, COVID really put a bottom in VIX and volatility never really got too far below the teens. But volatility right now hasn't broken out, even as the S&P was you know, crashing down, if you will, and, and, and you had the NASDAQ slipping below negative 20% or off 20% from the all-time highs, and then some. 
volatility really just kind of hung out. So I guess the question is, since volatility is not going up in this environment, if we do get a recovery in equities, should we start looking at like short VIX plays? I mean, you know, is, is, should volatility be yeah. priced closer to 20? And and how do we play that? Because I think people might have forgot how do we play short VIX? Because that's a that's a hell of a, oh, a trade for play. a lot I mean, of people. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah. for long, for big funds out there, I mean, being short VIX, you're long carry effectively because of the shape of the curve. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll be concerned if we do see this market roll over. I think it gets ugly. Um, and I think of that course. VIX trades above thirty-five percent and into forty, and I think you know Ling Long VIX would would, but but it could get really ugly, and I think we could see a bit more panic if we if we trade through. Let's take the S and P futures through those lows of thirty-eight oh seven. I think the VIX, yeah, people will go out and buy volatility, and and I think we probably make a peak above thirty-five percent, but it's not going down. It's not really going up either. I think the market's really quite nicely hedged in the VIX, and and they don't really want to do too much there. We're not seeing too much in the way of skew. If you look at normalo skew. We're not seeing any too much there, but I would be looking at that if if we do see the if we do see this this unlo- what I believe is the unloved rally going up five seven percent. Then yeah, I think the VIX trades below twenty five percent. But yeah, I think if the, the the risk is is we you know in the next week or two start rolling over, in which case then I'd be certainly thinking expecting the VIX to trade above thirty five percent. Then I would agree with you too. So I was hoping you would say something different so I could disagree with you. <laughs> but the VIX is a VIX is an interesting the way it's comp. Uh, you know, the composition. A lot of people at the moment are asking why vols are not higher at the moment. There's a lot of other crazy factors that are that are going through um, in the calculation and, and how it's put together. Uh, but I think from from a simplistic perspective, if we do see that going through 3807 in the S and P futures, and it does look at implied volatility in the S and P futures, uh, and then S and P should we say, um, then then I think yeah, we go above 38, 35 percent. That to me, we talk about it all the time. What's it mean? Take your position sizing down, trade with a wider stop loss. Anyway, so let's go into the next section. Section we're bringing we're bringing Oscar Salem into the into the program. Oscar, my good friend, how are you going, buddy? It's uh, it's great to see you. I, I know you you know Blake very well. Blake, do you want to say hello? Hey, Oscar, how are you? Great to see you again. Thank you for having me, guys. It's what? a pleasure. Why don't you, before we just go into crack on your market views, I'm really interested to understand a little bit more about what you guys do there at uh, BCM Partners. So um, I started BCM um, as to to, uh, uh, to manage money, right? We have separate managed accounts. Uh, we branched out a little bit. Um, recently, I've added a, a, a partner to the team um, because I am more of a technical analyst, right? I'm more of a price first guy. I think price always leads narratives. Uh, but as you guys have been discussing, the, uh, the uh, landscape has been very complex, right? There's a lot of moving parts, uh, a lot of central bank activity, um, you know. So, so I brought in a, a a macro guy, a true macro analyst, a global macro guy that used to work in a very big hedge fund here in New York, and and together with him, we've we've uh, crafted a, a plan where the 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 technical and the macro have to mix. They have to be in the Venn diagram, and when we see those two things converging, then we get interested in the trade. Uh, so it's not, you know, I'm Blake knows this. I'm a pure price guy. I trade on price, uh, but now we've moved into a position where to navigate these complexities of a, of a global macro, we want to have a macro backdrop that fits into the technical ana- technical analysis. So, um, so that's yeah. what we're up to right now. I love that idea between having agreement between price action, the flow of capital, 
and having that sort of fundamental background. And when you bring the two together, you bring a, a higher probability, because that's all we have is, is the distribution of outcomes. So you're looking at the probability. I'm going to ask you a question then um, with Giovanni, your, your, your partner and yourself. Um, how are you seeing broad risk sentiment? I'm taking a broad view because correlations obviously go up when we see um, volatility up. So how are you reading sort of global sentiment at the moment? Are you are you thinking we're seeing consolidation? This could roll over and we could it could get ugly, or do you think yeah we're going to see a melt up in risk now? So so that's a million dollar question, right? Um, I think that the biggest change that we've seen lately is behavior, right? I think uh, investors have been conditioned by central bank activity. And, that, and that's dangerous, right? I think that uh, in not only retail investors, but institutional investors have been conditioned. It's sort of like Pavlovian, right? These guys are now expecting central bank to pivot and come to the rescue. So I think that that is the biggest danger. Uh, I am still bearish. I think risk is um, uh, mispriced here. Uh, I do believe the Fed is going to be aggressive. Uh, and I don't think that is priced in. I, and, and, and I heard you guys speaking about the bond market. Um, I do agree with Blake in a sense that I think the bonds are going to rally, but not for the reasons, uh, not for good reasons. I think the bonds may start rallying because people are going to start picking um, risk-free returns, right? Now that you have, you know, the two and the, and the five-year, you know, giving you two and a half, three percent, they're going to start saying, you know what, we're going to park money there. Uh, and we might see a little bit more of a rally in bonds. And I think that that's going to be risk negative uh, as a whole. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're thinking we could be quite bearish. I mean, this idea of a Fed put, um, you know, we've heard Morgan Stanley saying that yeah, the S&P could trade down to 3,400, which is just below the 200-week moving average. Yeah, what's your view on the Fed put? When, when, when do the Fed buckle? It, what, and what would be the catalyst for the C them make that pivot? Um, I, I, think, I think it's more, of a, more than a level. It's the velocity that we trade down there, right? I think that if we grind lower, I think they're going to be very comfortable doing that, right? Um, inflation is high. Um, and, and, and the only thing that they can do at this point is basically crush demand, right? So, so they're on the mission to do that, and I believe them, right? So, so I don't think it's going to be more, more of a sense of where the Fed put is, but how much, and you were talking about the VIX, how much, the, how much does volatility influence their, their actions? If they see disorder, right, if they see a disorderly, sloppy sell-off, a a, you know, a dangerous, uh, you know, like we've seen, like we saw in COVID, then maybe they could start and, and, and jawbone it a little bit. Uh, but their main mission right now is price stability. Um, and, 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 and it's not exclusive to the United States, right? That is a lot of central banks are on the same tight spot that they need to control inflation because the long-term effects of not doing that are worse. Mm-hmm. And they know that. Uh, and they know they're late. Uh, they know they made a mistake. So I think that they're going to be determined to control that. And, and the isn't, only way they can do that, unfortunately, is crushing demand. Isn't it? Uh, and, and Oscar, you know, like I said, it's, it's great to see you again and be able to chat with you, you know, in, in this format. But isn't it crazy if you think back, like uh, for, you know, since the let's call it the GFC, since the great financial crisis and the housing crisis, you know, the Fed has had has had very limited opportunities and kind of derailed um, in a sense. Our, our normal business cycle. I mean, if you if you think about like history, you know, every six to eight years, something like that, we get a, a recessionary type of period, and you, you're going to get ebbs and flows with the market. And really, we had an expanded growth, if you will, um, you know, uh, uh, economic cycle post uh, quantitative easing or the introduction of quantitative easing. And it, it seemed like the Fed was just about ready to let the market kind of 
you know, go into its cycle again after an extended, you know, 10 years, 10 years of, of expansion and then COVID hit. And, and even though that was such a quick, you know, quick blip, quick couple month blip in the economy, it's like, it's almost like the fed is allowing the, these, these conditions to continue to tighten so they can let the economy, you know, the, 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 the rubber band, if you will, if you think about like the stretching of a rubber band, let it like kind of get back to some sort of normalization. Do, do you see the market like that now? Um, so so I, I think that the Fed knows that they're late, right? I think that yeah. they had an opportunity to normalize a little bit earlier and they know they didn't. Uh, and now they're trapped, right? Uh, I think that COVID and, and what happened because of COVID has put them in a very difficult position, right? I think that the supply chains are disrupted. Uh, I think that energy is disrupted. And, and, and all of those components that make inflation and CPI uh, are under pressure, right? So those guys now have um, have a very, very difficult time and, and a very tight spot to maneuver in. And, and, and the only thing they can do, as I said, is, is affect the demand side of that equation. So, um, you know, I think that obviously there's been distortions, right? Uh, specifically in the bond market with, with, with the expansion of the balance sheet. Uh, and now they find themselves in a position where they're going to have to start looking at the other, uh, the other side, looking into unwind. Mm. Uh, obviously, uh, conditions have tightened, right? Uh, conditions tighten in, in advance to well, anticipating what, what uh, monetary policy is going to do. Uh, but I don't think it's enough, right? Uh, my argument is that this time they're going to have to do it for real uh, because they have to deal with inflation. And um, and I think that we see, you know, maybe a grind lower, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking we see another you know, 15, 20% downside on, on, on the indices. I mean, I'm interested in that that view then, um, because you are bearish, but uh, you've got some charts which you've, you've brought along and, and maybe they, they sort of highlight some of those views that you've been talking about. I want to talk you through some of the, the, the views that you've got, that your setups you've got at BCM there. Uh, the first one that, that, that you've, 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 you've asked us to look at is, is your view on, on the Euromex. So uh, do you want to bring that up and, and do you want to talk to, to, to the technicals and where you see that going? Sure. So one of the beautiful things about, about that chart is that it has an end in diagonal, right? And it has an end in diagonal with divergence, right? If you see uh, the RSI stop making new lows while the price was making new lows. So that to me is price exhaustion, right? Uh, this trade carries very poorly, right? Because you're long euro against, correct, yeah. uh, against MEC. So it's a, uh, excuse my French, it's a shit carry trade. <laughs> Having said that, um, I think that the price action here and, and our thesis around the euro, and we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, fits very well uh, on a price basis, right? I like the, the price action. I think that we could see this thing 50 to 80 big figures higher. Uh, and I, we see price exhaustion there, right? When you see the RSI pivoting higher and probably going lower, you see price exhaustion. Uh, so I like that. Um, as a euro play, and I like that as a technical play as well. So we're talking, we're talking about right. uh, twenty-two forty-four. Next one on the radar, we've got Euro Aussie. So if we can bring that up, guys, perfect. Yeah, do you want to just talk us through where you see that going and the and the, and the philosophy behind this one? So we uh, that that goes back as well to the euro philosophy. We think that the ECB is late. I think that the ECB has to play catch up. I think Lagarde has uh, hinted at that, and members of, of the ECB have hinted at that. They are late. I think it's mispriced. Um, this is also playing into a little bit of the risk-off mode that we see in markets. 
Um, you know, we have a, uh, we, we enter this trade, I think, at a pretty good level, which we we think it's the beginning of a wave three on a, on a minor count. Uh, we have our stop set up. Um, we've been in this trade for, for a few days. Um, you know, I like the technical backdrop of this trade quite a lot. Mm. Uh, but uh, again, uh, this has a macro framework around it, which is basically ECB is late. ECB is going to have to play catch up. Uh, and we like the ECB, the euro against uh, other central banks that have already moved. Well, yeah. I've already announced it, right? So, so I think it's a catch up play for the euro. Really like, yeah, I quite like the idea there. Um, obviously, if you if you were to get a bit of a sell off in risk, then I think this trade works quite nicely, which leads into the next one really nicely. Yeah, if, if the Nasdaq's going down, then Euro Aussie, in my opinion, would be going up because the Aussie's going to get yeah smashed as a high beta FX play. So, talk to you through about your Nasdaq sure. trade here. So, um, you know, the trend is your friend, right? <laughs> so, I find trends, and I'm a trend follower, right? That's what I do. That's my price, the way I trade. Uh, I, I see it, I, I see a count here, a legitimate. Uh, Elliott wave count. Uh, I see a minor count within the count. So the wave analysis is pretty strong. Um, I think that there's levels there that you sell it and you jump on this trade. Uh, overall, I like the NASDAQ, like I said, 15 to 20% lower. I think it's going to be a grind. So I think there's going to be opportunities for us to jump into that trend and follow it lower. Uh, you just have to be very robust in your analysis and make sure that you have your stops in place. And, and, and trade against the level, which is what I like to do, right? I like to put the FIBOs, I like to find a level to trade against, and I like to go for it. Um, I see this lower. Um, you know, I see, I think that the market, again, um, is uh, underpricing the, the Fed. I think that the Fed is going to be a yeah. Yeah. Interesting one. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people hoping, hoping you're completely wrong. Uh, but yeah, I think it sort of plays into what Blake and I were saying of selling rallies in, in risk. And the other one, which has uh, you know, been obviously been talked about, everyone trades it, is, uh, is the euro dollar at the moment. You know, you've had a nice move up again, probably another one of the faces behind the ECB. So why don't you talk, talk us through your trades, your levels you're looking at here? Yeah, so, so, so again, I think we're forming a trend higher. Uh, I think that we think the ECB is late. I think that the ECB is going to have to play catch up here. Um, we think that the dollar is also a little bit expensive. It's rallied quite a bit. Uh, this is an hourly chart. Um, I like to break down my charts into fractals mm. and put counts in them to give me uh, levels to trade against. So I am trading against levels here. Today, we added a little bit at 106.45, 106.50. We bought more. Uh, that's another thing that we like to do when we see it moving in our way, in our direction, and we, and we find levels to add. We will add. We get aggressive. Um, yeah, we think the euro ultimately could go to 108 and maybe even 110 or 111 in this move. Again, I want to highlight something. The move in the euro dollar cross higher will be corrective, right? So this is a corrective wave, we think, that could ultimately take it to 111. Some big calls. I think it's up. Yeah, some great calls there. We'll have to see how they go. But Oscar, you've been a superstar. We really appreciate you uh, giving us your time today. Uh, and I'm going to you know, say goodbye. But uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with, with Oscar, we've obviously given you his handle and, and, and you'll get the details in the, in the description for the programme. So if you want to get in touch with Oscar uh, and the team there, just uh, just reach out and uh, you'll see the, the, uh, the, the instructions on the, on the bio in, in YouTube and, and, and in other places there as well. So thanks, Oscar. Thanks for, thanks for your time today. And we're gonna, I'm going to take it back to Blake and we're going to go to the player of the day. Blake, I want to talk about Natty. Natty, Natty, Natty. 
because uh, this is one for the brave, one for the crazy people out there. Um, <laughs> if you can have a look at the chart there, um, you know, what I like, Oscar mentioned about divergence. You can see triple divergence there. So we've seen on price three higher highs. Um, but you've seen three lower highs in terms of the RSI. I've used the nine-day RSI there. So that does suggest that we could be seeing exhaustion in this rally that we've been seeing. We've also just seen options expiry. So there could be some shenanigans going into that options expiration. Once that goes on, then perhaps you know, some inventory can get, 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 get low. Also, what you can see on that candle, on that last candle there, is that we've got that pin bar reversal. Now, this is on one to watch. This, If you want to go short now, this is very, very, very aggressive. The the divergence needs to play out. We need to see price moving lower. It needs to trade through the through the lows of the day. Then I think we get a move down into 750. So for me, all of this setup puts me on high alert to tell me we're potentially going to see a trend reversal. I want to see it trade through the lows through 850. I think this goes down to 757. So that's one very much on the radar at the moment as my play of the day. Blake, what have you got? Well, that's very unlike unlike Westy for you to uh, try to pick tops, Chris. No. But uh, I like the play. It's something we were talking about earlier today. But uh, my play is going to be the U.S. dollar Norwegian krona, and that's knocking on heaven's door. You like that one, Chris? I love it, mate. You are you are the pun man. You're the pun <laughs> pun master. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the U.S. dollar Norwegian krona had been reaching towards levels that we hadn't seen since May of 2020, and as we were approaching that ten dollar level. Um, it started to top out, topped out around 991, and we created a double top. That double top is actually broken below the 965 level, and that's where the neckline's at. And even today, as the euro pulled back a little bit, the euro or the US dollar Norwegian krona could not get back above the 965 level. So I think if, as long as it stays a, a below, excuse me, 970, we're looking for a move back towards 936. And that's going to be the 38% retracement. Now, I tend to think that if we stop at a 38% retracement, it's going to be a continuation. But you don't know. I guess it all depends if uh, what um, what Oscar was saying happens in the euro. So there you yeah. go. There we go, mate. So an interesting show today. I think um, obviously if you've watched this far, I hope you I hope you like the show. Please leave a comment wherever you can. Really want to see your comments. I know every week that that we get some really really intelligent views on the market, some great questions. So please do um, put your comments in there. We'd love to hear them. Um, we talked about the euro quite um, quite uh, ad nauseum today. Obviously, yeah, we've focused on the idea that potentially, yeah, the market needs to reveal itself. Oscar's talking about potentially rolling over again. It could, could uh, get ugly out there. So keep an open mind. Respect the tape. Respect the price action, and go with the flow there. So from Blake and I, thanks for watching the trade off.